something that you just said to me uh, completely off the air, uh, Derek, which shocked me, is you said that you don't listen to, to music at home. I mean, given your, your reputation, your name, that, that's quite a surprise, isn't it? Before I really started being a serious DJ, mm. I was playing music 24-7 and living in St. Paul's on a hot day. You'd open the window and put the speakers by the window. Mm. I think this is what cemented my reputation in the area. Instead of people asking me to turn it down, they'd come down the street and ask me to turn it up. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. So was it always well-received? Did you not ever have any problems? Because we read so much, don't we, about people complaining about this and complaining about that? Um, well, I mean, I didn't used to play it in the early hours of the morning. Right, right. You know, it would be a nice summer's day. And that's one thing I love about St Paul's, if you walk around there, you hear a whole set of different types of music coming mm. out. Uh, I mean, I, I suspect that in an ever more ageist society, you know, we look at... Um, if, Pardon me asking, Derek, you're 64, is that right? No, I'm 65 65, now. I beg your pardon. Uh, I missed the birthday there. Um, <laughs> uh, as a 64-year-old man playing Jamaican reggae, and people probably rudely ask occasionally if they're, you know, ignorant to, to, to what you do, um, why you're playing out at this time of life. I mean, what, what, what's the appeal for you? Well, I mean, I didn't start DJing until re relatively late. Mm. It was I was in my 30s. I never intended to be a DJ. Mm. I found myself virtually on my uppers unemployed for the first time in my life. And I already built up a lot of friendships within the West Indian community in Bristol by going down places like the Bamboo Club and hearing this stuff before it ever reached white audiences. Mm. That's why I'm familiar with all the old artists now. And age, to me, is irrelevant. I've just been doing what I've been doing... Mm. It's become an issue now when I play in some of the other nightclubs, especially if it's the first time out of Bristol. I get mistaken when I turn up in a taxi. There'll be a young taxi driver, yeah. usually a black guy, and we walk in together and the bouncer will assume that he's the DJ and I'm the taxi driver. <laughs> I suppose it's one way of achieving anonymity, isn't it? Of sort of keeping your identity from the, uh, from the masses, from the crowds. But the, the other thing about it, because I've just kept doing what I'm doing, I feel at home, well, within a whole bunch of age groups, really, but I don't feel out of place walking into a club where the average age is 25. Mm. Whereas if I go into that situation in a place where I'm not known... It's surprising how patronising some of the young people yeah. can be. You know, you were right, old Stuart, you know. Yeah. Oh dear, I can well <laughs> and, imagine. Mm. Uh, similarly, on the other hand, when I meet people of my age and 20 years younger who've been in nine to five all their lives, mm. they seem 20 years older than me. Yeah, I, somebody said to me, you know, Derek, in a, a pub in, in Windmill Hill recently that... Um, uh, being in a job you don't like can take 10 to 15 years off your life. I, I reckon being in a job... I'm the happiest man I know. Mm, mm. I, I can say that. But, yeah. uh, you know, any time... I mean, nothing's perfect. Sometimes you feel it's a bit of a drag to be doing something, and then you think, what else would I rather be doing? Mm. And there isn't anything. There's nothing else I want in life that I haven't actually got. I've never been into material possession. DJ Derek is with me. Derek, what's a, what's a typical reaction from uh, people seeing you out and about and, and playing, obviously, that, that haven't seen you live before? Uh, first of all, a sort of mouth-open amazement, <laughs> especially when I slip into my stage act, my, yeah. well, I call it an act. Yeah. It wasn't an act to start with, it was necessity. I had to speak patois. 
when I was playing in really? black nightclubs. Okay. I learned it deliberately because if you're just if you're involved with a group of say Jamaican people who you don't know very well, and I was doing promotions work in Bristol at the time with a Jamaican from Birmingham on sound clashes, big sound clashes from London, Birmingham, Bristol. And I was responsible for the finances. I used to be an accountant. And if you're sitting down with five guys who are talking so fast you can't understand what you're saying, the suspicion is you're being stitched up. If anything goes wrong, you're responsible for the money, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I can and say... I sat well, down in a barber's shop yeah. on the advice of the guy from Birmingham, a yeah. Jamaican barber's shop, and he said, sit there Saturday mornings with the approval of everybody in there. Okay. Keep your eyes open, your ears open, and your mouth shut until you're ready to say something. And I got to the point in the end I could ring a record producer in London where I couldn't get a record in the warehouse, go up there and pick it up, knock on his door. You don't know. I'm DJ Derek. Jesus Christ, you're a white man. I thought you were the tax inspector. <laughs> <laughs> oh, marvellous. I mean, how how long? I mean, did you just pick up a book and learn? Did you just listen? I mean, how, It's just how? listening. It was, mm. it was getting into the rhythm. Mm, mm getting into the rhythm of the language, mm. the syntax. And, and is that why the music that you play and the music that you're personally into, Derek, you know, uh, um, personally and professionally, is, is so intrinsic to the black community then? Well, because it is, they're it's, it's, it's rhythm. I mean, it's a cliche, say, mm. natural rhythm. Mm. But I've got a theory about that. When you go to a, a Jamaican home, a West Indian home, and there's a pregnant lady there. She's dancing to that music. So that child actually has got that rhythm. Yeah. Whereas in a white home, they're probably listening to Kylie Minogue or oh Arctic Monkeys or something. So all they've got is this bang, 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 bang. There's no syncopation. Right. Yeah, that, I think... And I used to be a drummer. I was a natural drummer. Mm. So mm. I find the, the rhythms far more interesting than just a straightforward... 12-bar blues. Perhaps some of the, uh, the delivery suites, the maternity suites, could benefit from your, from your I knowledge, I reckon Darren. so. <laughs> We'd be a far more relaxed, laid-back people. <laughs> Bristol Star Radio Star People is with DJ Derek today. Apart from what you've just said, what's the appeal of reggae for you? It's got melody mm. along with usually very conscious lyrics, and it's got good rhythm. It's not... There's no such thing as a reggae rhythm now. It's developed from ska through rock steady into many forms. Some of Bob Marley's uh, reggae, although it doesn't relate a lot to Jamaica because the island, most of the island stuff he made after he left Jamaica, mm. it's almost jazz. Listen to a thing like Bend Down Low. It swings. How did you progress from... Uh, Skiffle really was your sort of first hands-on musical... Uh, it, um, I've done your research. In, in, in the 1950s, <laughs> I try. How did that get from playing the washboard and skiffle to, to, to the whole drumming thing? Or, you know, well, becoming... funny enough, before, long before I played in a skiffle group, as a, a kid, I built a drum out of a cheese box, a large cheese box, and some parachute material. Really? Just after the war, there was a parachute in St Andrew's Park, yeah. which descended on our house. So, I, now I thought you were <laughs> about I to remember give me a... it being dragged through the house, yeah. and we ended up with quite a, uh, a, a quantity of this parachute material, which is very durable, as you can appreciate. Right. I used to drive my parents mad, because at this time, 
rock and roll was hitting the airways, Bill Haley and all this stuff, mm-hmm. and I'd be beating hell out of this juice box drum. So, you know, I thought you were about to give us a revelation that uh, uh, DJ Derek is parachuting now <laughs> to, get to gigs, <laughs> which is a, uh, an image you know, in itself. Um, what have you yet to achieve in your DJing time, Derek? Is there, are there things that you, you would particularly want to do? No, I just want to continue continuing on. Um, people asked me this in 1994 mm, mm. Uh, when the BBC Two made the documentary. And I said, well, I'll continue playing while people ask me to play and while i got the mental and physical capacity to do it. Because I can't think of any other better way of making a living. Mm. And it's like having a house party, you never hear anything you don't like because I've never bought anything I don't like. Mm. And you don't have to clear out the mess in the morning. <laughs> it's the ideal <laughs> scenario. <laughs> so where currently can we see you play that's vaguely within reach, or certainly within um, reach? I'm down the watershed. I've, <laughs> I haven't got my diary to hand, that's so I all can't right, actually that's give you dates. Sort all those Tonight out. Tonight I'm in Oxford, I'm playing with the Scatterlights, okay. which would be great, because mm. there's still a few original who are older than me. The next, I mean, down the uh, warehouse, I think it's called, down by Juries in a couple of weeks' time. Oh, yes. yeah. I'm at the Bishop's Tavern, which is my local pub, on May the 19th. I do the Tube, sort of the last Friday of every month. Park on Park Street, usually once a month on a Sunday. I've just checked that now for June the 6th. Mm-hmm. But also, I've got an enormous amount of work outside of Bristol. Next week, I'm in London Tuesday, Leeds on Wednesday, back in London on Saturday, then in the park in the Triangle, back home on the Sunday. And let's come back home. What what do you love about Bristol? Um, (laughs) Well, I love St Paul's. Mm. It's had a very bad press over the years, and when I first started to go down there in the 60s, I'm afraid most of my white peers thought I was mad. All I ever found down there, maybe it's because the attitude I went down there was I've seen a lot of people go wrong by trying to take their values and attitudes. I went down there with an open mind because I wanted to hear the music. And I assimilated to the extent I think now I can say I've got far more black friends than white. Not that I haven't got white friends, but there was a love that I found down there. I've got a huge extended family... This comes home to me any time there's any hint that I'm in trouble or people haven't seen me for a while. Mm. There's phone calls going yeah, around. Right, yeah. And I find it touching, uh, hum- humbling. Mm. And also I'm very proud of that reputation. I wouldn't like anybody to diminish it in any form. Oh, absolutely not. It's, it's, it's a wonderful story and, and also a, a very unique one. And uh, it's fascinating to meet you. Uh, Star People has been in conversation with DJ Derek. Thanks very much for your time, Thank Derek. you very much for Thank having you. me here.